This is program C, 753. We left off yesterday talking about the very close relationship that had developed between Julius Caesar and the Jewish kingdom and how he even issued a very special decree protecting uh, the independence of the Jewish kingdom within the Roman Republic. We know that in 47 BC, the Jewish state was structured like this. At the top was Hyrcanus of the Hasmonean family, the family uh, that goes back to Judas Maccabee and uh, the father of Judas, which would be uh, Mattithia. The Hasmonean king is referred to as the ethnarch of the Jews, but he is also the high priest. So Hyrcanus is ethnarch of the Jews and high priest of the Jews. Immediately under him is uh, Antipater, uh, the Idumean. Um, and this, this man uh, is Jewish in his religion, his culture, but his ethnicity is Edomite. Now, how did that happen? Uh, several generations before him, uh, the Jewish ethnarch took over the country of Idumea and ordered that any Idumean that wanted to stay in the country had to convert to Judaism. And most of them did. And so probably uh, the great, great uh, grandfather of Herod uh, converted to Judaism and every generation thereafter was raised as a Jew. And so when we talk about Herod, we should always think of him in as being Jewish, okay? Uh, now, so we've got uh, Hyrcanus at the top, then Antipater the Idumean next, and then under him is his two sons. The older one, Phasaelus, is in charge of the area right around Jerusalem, and the younger one, who's only 25, is Herod, who is in charge of Galilee. You remember that Herod put down a whole bunch of Jewish gangs up in the north. And it got him a lot of popularity up there. But not everybody in the kingdom was happy with that. And that is the next part of our story. Um, the Sanhedrin, which is the 70 leaders of the Jewish High Council, uh, it's mostly controlled by Pharisees. They objected to Herod executing some of the leaders of these Jewish gangs without due process. Now, what did they mean by that? Because they, as Pharisees, had made the rule a long time ago, all capital cases have to be approved by their counsel before execution is carried out. Uh, we've also got the mothers 
of these dead Jewish gang members that have come to Jerusalem and they have taken up to making daily demonstrations uh, against Herod in the temple courtyard. Now, you can't really blame them. They're moms who have lost their kids. But remember, those kids were adult gang members who were killing people, who were waylaying people up in the north and acting as thugs and criminals. Uh, but they make a big enough stink, and the Pharisees on the high council are also feeling like they've been they've gone been gone around by Herod. And so they get together and convince Hyrcanus that Herod, along with his brother and his father, were taking away from Hyrcanus's royal authority. And we have a quote at this point from Antiquities of the Jews 14, uh, uh, and that's book 14, chapter number 9, uh, section 3. And this would be the Pharisees on the High Council. How long will you be quiet under such actions as are now done? Or don't you see that Antipater and his sons have already seized upon the government and that it's only the name of a king which is given to you? You uh, do not suffer these things to be hidden from you. Uh, excuse me, but don't let these things be hidden from you, nor think that you can escape the danger by being so careless of yourself and your kingdom. For Antipater and his sons are now not now stewards of your affairs, don't deceive yourself with such a notion. They are evidently absolute lords. For Herod, Antipater's son, has slain Hezekiah and those who were with him, and have thereby transgressed our law, which hath not, uh, which hath forbidden to slay any man, even though he were a wicked man, unless he's been first condemned to suffer death by the Sanhedrin. Yet uh, he's been insolent as to do this and that without any authority from you. All right, so that's the plea of the Sanhedrin. You can see that they're trying to drive a wedge between uh, Hyrcanus and his very close personal friend, Antipater. Um, and you already know that Josephus has a very high opinion of Antipater. He also has a pretty high opinion of uh, Phasaelus and Herod at this time in their history. Uh, and he's a Pharisee, so he is criticizing past Pharisees. Uh, well, to make a long story short, Hyrcanus feels pressured into having some sort of trial. So he agrees to put Herod on trial before the Sanhedrin, uh, but he makes it just as clear that he expects the young man to be acquitted of this supposed crime of his. Because the only thing he did was kill a thug uh, that had been killing people up in the north uh, without first getting approval from the Sanhedrin. Uh, not only that, Hyrcanus makes it very clear, uh, and Sextus Caesar also does, that the Romans expect Herod to be acquitted on this. So on the advice of his father, Herod comes to Jerusalem from Galilee with a personal security detail that is large enough to protect him from any mob that might be stirred 
by what's going on in Jerusalem at that time, but not large enough to be perceived as some sort of plan to, to attempt a coup against Hyrcanus. And I think that was very good advice from his dad. Uh, when Herod arrived, he was looking quite regal. He did not look humble because he felt that he hadn't done anything wrong. And uh, he definitely felt that uh, this was all kind of a senseless show. And so the prosecution, the Jewish prosecution, declined to present its case uh, because supposedly they were in fear for their lives from Herod. Uh, but then one of the Sanhedrin members chided the others that by not prosecuting the case, not bringing the charges forward, they were going to acquit a proud young man who, quote, will one day punish both you and your king himself also, end quote. And that chiding by this Pharisee leader uh, moved them to proceed with the trial, uh, but this time it looked as if they planned on a, not acquitting Herod, but condemning him. And where, when Hyrcanus saw that that was the direction it was going, uh, he, um, he adjourned the proceedings of the trial because he was the high priest as well as the king and advised Herod, you need to get out of town now because I don't think I can protect you if this trial goes forward and you get convicted. So Herod quickly leaves Jerusalem. He goes to Damascus, Syria, which takes him out of the Judean kingdom. And there he uses his wealth, because remember, he's a Roman citizen with zero tax liability. So he uses his wealth and his favorable reputation with Sextus Caesar, uh, the legate of Syria, to gain an appointment of leadership over the southern Syrian territory, uh, which, strangely enough, included Samaria. So he becomes a Roman leader. Now, the following year, in 46, uh, he has stewed too much on what has just happened to him. He takes it way too personally, and he acts like a hothead. He's only 26 by now, remember. And he takes his Syrian army back to Jerusalem with every intention of avenging himself on the Sanhedrin and then removing the weak-willed Hyrcanus from power because he feels that Hyrcanus did stand up for the right thing. He wasn't going to do the right thing for him. It was only the pleading of his father, Antipater, and his brother, Phasaelus, not to do this foolish thing that stopped him from doing so. And so Herod goes back to uh, Syria and things calm down. Now this is where we go back to the Roman Republic twists and turns that are tied in with this story. You all know, or most of you do, that on the 15th of March, 44 BC, Julius Caesar was assassinated 
by a man named Cassius and Brutus and some other conspirators because they considered him an enemy of the Roman Republic. They felt that he was trying to take over as the permanent dictator. Uh, in 44, after the assassination, Caius, uh, Cassius, Cassius uh, goes off to Syria in order to raise an army because he realizes that the supporters of Julius Caesar are now going to fight against him. Uh, he levies a tax of 700 talents upon the Jewish nation because the Jewish nation is counted underneath the administration of the Syrian province. And so Antipater, who is the number two guy in the Jewish nation, he divides that 700 talents in, uh, up over seven regions. So he tells each of seven regions, you have to raise 100 talents immediately so that I can send it uh, to uh, the legate of Syria. Well, Herod was the first to accomplish the collection of funds in Galilee. Somehow he got drawn into this Jewish fundraising event. And because of that, Cassius turned him into the legate of Syria, made him the commander of the entire Syrian region, which made him technically the supervisor of Hyrcanus, who is the client king uh, in this region of the world. All right, so 43 BC, this civil war breaks out after the assassination of Julius Caesar. On one side is a second triumvirate, uh, which is three persons sharing power. And you will be familiar with two of the three. Uh, the third one that you're not familiar with is a guy by the name of Lepidus. The second one that you'd be familiar with is Mark Anthony. And the first one you'd be familiar with is Octavian. You might not know him by that name. He will later be known as Caesar Augustus, Caesar Augustus. So that's the three guys that are trying to fight on the dead Julius Caesar's side. They are the ones that are trying to stand up for uh, what remains of the Roman Republic. Uh, on the other side are the assassins of Caesar, Cassius and Brutus. Now, Herod, because he's Cassius' governor of Syria, he was expected to provide material support for the war. And in return, Caius, or I keep saying that wrong, Cassius is promised the title King of the Jews once the war was won. Now, this is the first time we hear of this, that Herod was told he could be the king of the Jews. Now, a Jewish nobleman by the name of Malichus, poisoned Herod's father, Antipater. And uh, Josephus has nothing but good things to say about Antipater upon his death. Here's a couple of quotes. Uh, first from, I think, uh, the Antiquities, and then the second one comes from the Wars of the Jews. Quote, And thus died Antipater, a man that had distinguished himself for piety and justice, and love to his country, end quote. And then the other quote, 
Quote, he was a man in other respects active in the management of affairs and one that recovered the government to Hyrcanus and preserved it in his hands, end quote. So that's pretty high praise from Josephus about Herod the Great's father, Antipater, upon his death. Now, as you would expect, Herod immediately wanted to get vengeance for the poisoning, uh, but when he conversed with his older brother Phasaelus about this, his brother talked him out of it because he was afraid that this would trigger a civil war amongst the Jewish people, uh, like was already happening amongst the Romans. So Herod didn't like it, but he complied with his big brother. Uh, but eventually he came up with a secondary plan as how to get vengeance on Malichus. He writes to Cassius whom he also knew did not like Malichus. And he arranged with this Roman to take Malichus out. And the assassination took place at Tyre, where Malichus and Hyrcanus, the Jewish high priest, had been invited to a dinner party being thrown there by Herod. And suddenly, as the Two leaders, the, the nobleman Malichus and Hyrcanus the high priest, are walking along the beach there at Tyre. Some Roman soldiers run up and just stab Malichus to death and then run off. Now, Hyrcanus passes out. It, it just frightens him to where he loses consciousness. Uh, but eventually, he recovers from the shock, and he is told that it was ordered by Cassius and he believes that, and he seems to be fine with it now. As long as it was not a Jewish guy that arranged for the assassination, Hyrcanus kind of felt that the guy had it coming. Uh, now, the brother um, of the now-dead Malichus tried to get vengeance on Herod and Phasaelus by taking over a whole bunch of Judean fortresses, among which was Masada. Now, this guy does not get that done, uh, but uh, it does show how the Judean kingdom gets drawn more and more into the fighting that is going to start going on in the Middle East among the, um, the Romans uh, as they're trying to deal with this civil war. So the two brothers, Herod and Phasaelus, have to fight off an invasion by Antigonus, which was their cousin, who was bound and determined to kill his uncle and become the new ethnarch and high priest of the Jewish people. And uh, once they fought it off, uh, this invasion attempt, uh, Herod is rewarded by Hyrcanus um, by being invited to marry into the family. And this is with uh, the high priest's granddaughter, uh, a woman by the name of Mariamne. And this is what Josephus says in uh, first, I think it's uh, Antiquities, and then the second one is from uh, the wars. Quote, but when he, meaning Herod, was come to Jerusalem, Hyrcanus and the people put garlands about his head, end quote. And then the second quote, 
Quote, when Herod had fought against these in the avenues of Judea, he was conqueror in the battle and drove away Antigonus and returned to Jerusalem, beloved by everybody for the glorious action he had done. For those who did not before favor him did join themselves to him now because of his marriage into the family of Hyrcanus. For as he had formerly married a wife out of his own country of no ignoble blood, who was called Doris, of whom he begat Antipater, so did he now marry Mariamne, the daughter of Alexander, the son of Aristobulus, the granddaughter of Hyrcanus, and was become thereby a relation of the king. So this is how Herod became part of the traditionally royal family of the Jews. Uh, his wife was a part of that family tree, which means that some of his kids by her will later be in that same family tree. And they become famous in the New Testament stories as well. This brings us to the year 41 B.C., uh, Herod was now among those high-ranking persons in the Middle East who had to present themselves to Mark Anthony in Ephesus because he won the civil war. Cassius and Brutus, now dead and gone. And so the losers all have to present themselves to give an account for why they were involved in the civil war on the other side. So he paid a large unspecified sum of money to secure forgiveness for supporting the losers. Now, certain Jewish petitioners tried unsuccessfully to convince Mark Anthony to remove Herod and Phasaelus from their positions of authority within the Hyrcanus government uh, because Mark Anthony recognized uh, that they were just being um, true to their oaths of allegiance, and so that he respected them uh, for what they'd done. Now, the high priest Hyrcanus, because he also had been a supporter of the losing side, he has to send ambassadors, uh, and he sent them with a crown of gold uh, and sought forgiveness for fighting against the winners. Uh, he requested that Jewish hostages and land that had been taken by Cassius be uh, to ensure that he would comply with Cassius's orders would be returned. So Hyrcanus basically says, I only supported Cassius because he made me force or made me support him. He took he took hostages. He made me give this support or he would have killed people. Uh, so now he asks, would you please return those people uh, to my uh, country? So Mark Anthony issued several decrees that were very favorable toward Hyrcanus and the Jews, and he blamed all of the recent turmoil in the Middle East on Cassius and Brutus, which, again, is not really surprising because they were the assassins of Julius Caesar, and Mark Anthony was a big supporter of Julius Caesar. Now, later in that same year, while Mark Anthony was holding court at Antioch, Syria, Hyrcanus came to visit him. And during this time, about a hundred Jewish leaders came to petition Mark Anthony to remove Herod and Phasaelus from their position of authority and just leave Hyrcanus alone to rule as ethnarch. So a another group comes and says, we want Herod and his brother out of here. We don't want them 
in our kingdom as leaders. We only want the high priest. Well, Mark Anthony responded by asking Hyrcanus, whom he thought was best qualified to oversee Jewish affairs. Now, again, the king is sitting right next to the high priest and the ethnarch of the Jews. So, or excuse me, Mark Anthony is sitting right next to um, Hyrcanus, the ethnarch of the Jews, and he just turns to him after having this petition and says, what do you think, Hyrcanus? Who do you think should be running Jewish affairs in your kingdom? And here's the quote that he said back, Herod and his friends, end quote. And so Mark Anthony, because of Hyrcanus' response, immediately declared Herod and Phasaelus tetrarchs. Now that's a Greek word that technically means ruler of a fourth, but it's actually uh, kind of a, a term of rank. And it was basically the rank right underneath Hyrcanus. So Hyrcanus is ethnarch, and right underneath him is Herod and Phasaelus as tetrarchs. And when the 15... Uh, when 15 of the petitioners kept objecting to him doing this, Mark Anthony had them, would have had them executed if Herod had not stepped in and said, please, sir, forgive them. Take in consideration the emotion of the moment. Don't execute them. Uh, so it was not long after that, though, that a thousand Jewish protesters did meet Mark Anthony at Tyre, once again demanding that Herod and Phasaelus be removed from authority, and he ordered that the protesters be dispersed with violence. And uh, Herod and Hyrcanus tried in vain to convince the Jews that they needed to disperse before the soldiers got there. Uh, and it didn't do any good. They kept on protesting. And so when a whole bunch of them got killed, Hyrcanus the high priest the ethnarch of the Jews, stepped forward and paid for the funerals of those that died and for the medical treatment of the people who were wounded. And so when we come to this time in history, the Jewish kingdom is very much settled as an ethnarchy under Hyrcanus the high priest with two tetrarchs, two brothers, serving immediately under him. And the entire Jewish kingdom is still in very good relationship with the Jewish people, or excuse me, with the Roman people. Uh, and that is going to keep them entangled with the next bit of problems that happen, which is a fight between Mark Anthony and Octavian, or Augustus, as he will later know him. Uh, but that is a story that we will save for tomorrow.